Good morning. What a great day it is to be inside at church, right? So thanks for being here. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat, please? My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad you're here. And uh, we're going to start a new, new year together today as a church family. And we're seeking God to do some really amazing things uh, in us and among us. And so if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, I'm in, I'm sold out, full, you know, full bore, 100%, I'm in. It's like, awesome, so are we. We're going forward with Jesus like that. And if you're here investigating Jesus and just trying to figure out who he is and what he's like, and your friend's been talking to you about him a little bit, and you've been reading the Bible a little bit and going, oh, okay, I'm, I'm interested, then right on. Thanks for being here. We're glad you're here, and we'll do everything we can to help you learn who Jesus is and what it looks like to follow him and live out this command that he gave us to love one another like he loved us. So thanks for being a part of it today. I don't know if you know this, but we just passed the 50th anniversary of Apollo 8. Yep, I remember. You remember? You're not old, old enough to remember. Oh, well, I'd be surprised. Okay, well, we can talk later. Uh, yeah, 50, now some of you are under 50 years old, you don't remember this, but Apollo, the Apollo missions were our missions to the moon, and Apollo 8 was the first group of astronauts, or first group of human beings to orbit around the moon. And so there were three astronauts in that spacecraft that went around uh, the moon during that season. And on Christmas Eve uh, of 1968, that's when they arrived at the moon and began their orbits. And three astronauts, Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders, together made a message. They recorded a message and sent it back to Earth. And it played over radios and television all across the country and in some places around the world. And here's, here's what their message was. We're now approaching lunar sunrise. And for all the people back on earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message we would like to send to you. And then they began to quote from or read from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And they read this to everyone who was listening across the country. Now I know in these, in these days, uh, you know, space travel uh, to the space station, things like that's a lot more common than it was, of course, in 1968. So everybody was listening back then. And so here they're, re they're, they're reading from scripture to everybody in the country. And then they finished their, their message to the nation this way. And they said, and, and from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on this good earth. That was the nature of what we were hearing from our astronauts 50 years ago. From space. We're starting a new series today called Space People. And uh, may or may not be what you think it's going to be. I'm not sure. Space is really relevant today. NASA is working hard to get to Mars. And, they're trying, and there's talk about them trying to go back to the moon first to get to Mars. And maybe the moon's a good launching pad to get to Mars. And there's all this talk about space from NASA. If they can get the funding or whatever they need to make those things happen. And it'll be amazing. So there's a lot of talk about space. And of course, there are other kinds of stars in the universe, like Steph Curry is a star in the basketball universe. And he said, I don't know if you saw this, right around the time of the 50th anniversary of Apollo 8, he said, you know, I don't believe human beings ever walked on the moon. 
Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know where he gets his information, you know, but, but he made it relevant. We're talking about space. You know, a lot of people in the sports world, we're talking about Steph Curry and the moon and space at that point. So we're talking about space. We're doing this thing called space people, but it's not about that kind of space. It's more about the kind of space that we live in. It's a, it's a kind of space that we move in. It's a kind of space where people go, get out of my space, you know, or, or that's a nice, or this is a nice space or what, you know, that, that's the kind of space that we're talking about. And really followers of Jesus are space people, not spacey people, but space people, because we believe in space. We believe that space does something for us. Spaces do something for us. I think when I look around, the spaces of our lives shape us. The spaces of our lives shape us. Or why do we decorate? I mean, how, many, how many of you have a picture on your wall at home? About 40%. How, how many of you don't have walls? All right, so, you know... Uh, and I don't, and maybe, you know, maybe you go, well, I don't have one. I have lots of pictures on my wall. Okay, fine. So, so you decorate. Why? Because we know we, we, we design our spaces so that they will shape us in the way we want. So you don't put pictures up on the wall that, you, that make you go, oh, I hate that one. You know, unless you're married and your spouse goes, I love it. You know, and then you go, I love my spouse. So okay, I'm in, you know, you might be like that. But most of us, we're not bringing in something to our house to decorate it, to make us feel bad. We bring it in, we go, oh, it looks beautiful, it it gives me peace, or it gives me joy, or it makes me sing, or, you know, whatever. That's what we do in our house. Why? Because we know that our spaces shape us. And I believe every space in your life shapes you. And when we as a church think about the spaces that we work in, we need to shape our spaces in a way that shape us as followers of Christ. At Lakeside, we're invested in spaces. I mean, obviously, we built, we built buildings to be able to house us, when, especially when the weather's cold and wet and windy and, you know, you want to be inside. Like, we, we created spaces for us to gather together. And then we go about the process of decorating those things because we think those spaces are going to shape us. And everything we do in these spaces is designed to shape us. These days, we're in a rallying cry season. Uh, the rallying cry for us right now is, let's go further. It's perfect for the first of the year, and I know a lot of people, resolutions seem to be a little passe these days because we all know we fail at them every time anyway or whatever, but there is this calling in us that goes, let's go further. And it happens in every area of our lives, but it happens with us as followers of Christ and as a church and as leaders in the church, uh, we want to say, let's go further in Jesus. Let's go further with Jesus. And if you're just investigating him, then let's go further. And if, you're, and if you go, I'm all in, yeah, okay, good, let's still go further with Christ. And we want to make sure that the spaces that we have together as a church, that we share together as a church, that we're using those well to help us go further with them. There are three spaces that we really focus on at Lakeside that, that we have you know, huge influence over. There's the big space which is where we are now. There's the small space, which is like our small groups. And there's the in-between space, like where our mid-sized groups meet. And it's not, about, it's not about geography. It's not primarily about a building. You have to have a building or a room or someplace to meet, obviously, if you're going to have a crowd together. But it's not primarily about geography. It's primarily about demographics, which is primarily about people. It's really not about the space at all. It's about the people that you connect with in that space. 
It's how you connect with God in the midst of that space, surrounded by other people, whether that group of people is 8 to 10, like in a small group, or whether it's 500 people, like in our weekend gatherings. The spaces in our lives shape us, and the people in those spaces shape us. So when we come together on the weekend, I look at this as the crowd space. We don't, we don't call it that. There's no official, you know, you won't see the sign in the building. It was crowd space, meet here. You know, it's not like that. But it's sort, of like, it's sort of like the crowd space. This is the biggest crowd we get on our weekend gatherings. That's the biggest crowd we get usually for Lakeside all throughout the year. Every now and then we'll do something down on the lawn and we'll go, let's have a big party and everybody come all at once. But that's kind of rare. But we do this crowd space thing every single week. And so we invest in it because we go, we want this time, this space to shape us as followers of Jesus. I want you, when you get up out of bed on Sunday morning, I want you to get up thinking, okay, what's, what's going to happen in that space today? I want you to be strategic about being at church, going to church, where you go, I'm going to gather with the church, and I want Christ to shape me there. And I want you to get up in the morning thinking about it. I'd like you to go to bed on Saturday night thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. When I gather with Christ's people, his church. Sometimes when you get together with us on the weekend, we will do predictable things. Probably every week we do some predictable things. You, you pretty much know when you come into Lakeside, we're going to sing. Yeah? Like I can't remember a weekend gathering where we didn't sing. Like we sing. I can't remember like, hey, let's plan a sur- I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to it. But you know, I, know, I don't remember ever planning a gathering for us to go, let's don't put any music in. No, we, we do music and we sing. Why? People go, why do we sing? I go, we sing because when you sing to God, it cements the statement of faith in your heart. You respond to the invitation that God gives to you, to you through those lyrics and through the music. And when it puts it all together and it, and it brings an emotional response to you and a spiritual response to you, it moves you. You go, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. You go right on, and you sing it at the top of your lungs. You go, that moves me. We sing. It's predictable. You can count on it. Next week, guess what? We're going to sing. When you come in, it's pretty predictable. We're going to have a talk from the scriptures. I can't remember a a week. We've been doing this over 30 years. I can't remember a week where we didn't get together on the weekend and and, and say, hey, open the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get your smartphone. Well, we haven't done the smartphone thing for 30 years. But like, pull a Bible out of somewhere and open it. We're going to look at it. We're going to read it. We're going to talk about what God said to us because we want it to change our lives like he wants it to change our lives. And so we do that all the time. Every week, we go through that process. It's predictable. We work on the crafts of a well-crafted life, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. We, we pray together. We do scripture together. We practice generosity together. We practice these crafts of a well-crafted life in our crowd space together on the weekends. Some things are predictable. Some things we do are not quite so predictable. Sometimes we'll throw in a wrench somewhere or a curveball at you somewhere just to make it different. So you go, oh, I didn't see that coming and I don't know what that's about. And what, is, what does God want to do in me because of this? Sometimes we'll use post-it notes for Pete's sake in church. What's the point? You write something on a post-it note and you stick it on the wall somewhere. Why? Because we think that writing and getting up and moving may change you. When you disrupt the status quo, it may change you. And we want that to happen. Jesus disrupted the status quo all the time. And so sometimes we'll do things that are unpredictable, things that you didn't see coming, things that weren't expected. Sometimes we'll inspire you. I hope that's often. 
sometimes will offend you. And I'm not sorry that we do. Because Jesus offended religious people. And if you're here, unless you're just purely investigating, if you're here, you're somewhat religious. You're somewhat going, I'm, I'm going after God. And Jesus offended religious people. Because he, he, he said religious people often get so focused on what they're doing that they miss out on what God is doing. And it matters more what God is doing. And so sometimes we'll poke you and, and offend you. And I'm like, okay, good. I don't like it when I'm offended, but I'm okay when you are. <laughs> Truth be told, okay, but I'll, okay, I get offended too. Jesus offends me. Because sometimes when he's talking to the Pharisees, I know he's talking to me. But I want this space to be a place where we meet Jesus, whether he's inspiring us or offending us or challenging us or whatever he's doing. Sometimes we'll ask you for a commitment. If you're just investigating Jesus and you come into Lakeside on a weekend, sometimes we'll say, you know, maybe today's the day you take another step forward in your faith. Maybe today's the day you take a step of surrender to Christ in your faith journey and make a commitment to him. Or maybe you've been a, a Jesus follower for a long time, but you're sort of playing with it. You know, you're not really robust in your faith. You're not really sold out to Jesus, but you know, you like him. He's okay. You'll show up every now and then, but you're not like really invested. And sometimes we're going to go, you know, today's the day. Take another step. Make a commitment to him. Follow him with everything you have. He's worth it. We'll ask you those things in our weekend gatherings. Because we want our lives to change as followers of Jesus. That's what this space is for. And we do all this stuff for a lot of reasons, but a primary reason is this. The first place most people get a glimpse of Jesus is in the crowd. Some of us meet Jesus one-on-one with somebody else over a cup of coffee at a coffee shop and they're kind of just explaining who he is. But most people over history have got a glimpse of Jesus for the first time in a crowd. Okay, so now would be the time to take your Bibles out. If you have your Bible, pull it out. Turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can open up your smartphone and there's an app in there called Version, and we've got notes in there. We've got the scriptures pulled out and you can pull that out and see now we're going to talk about the scriptures. I told you it was coming. Should not be a surprise. All right. And if you don't have a Bible or a phone or, you know, whatever, that's fine. You can listen to if that's the way you learn best or follow along best. That's, that's awesome. So Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 4. Here's the beginning of the story of Jesus. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they, baptized, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of his sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. When John the Baptist showed up, he drew a crowd. By, by personality and by design, John drew a crowd. He was, there was a, this guy was a loud 
out there personality. By personality, he drew people around him, but by design, he drew people around him. He wore camel's hair. Have you ever been next to a camel? I mean, here, this guy had to itch. And he comes, he's wearing camel hair, and he's got a leather belt, which is not all that unusual, but then he's eating locusts and wild honey. I'm like, I'm good with the honey. I'm not good with grasshoppers. I mean, people are like, what's he going to do today? What's he going to eat today? What's he going to say today? People came from all over the countryside to see John. When we were in, when we were in, uh, in Israel a few months ago, one of the places we went was this site where, G, where John the Baptist was baptizing people. It's called Bethany beyond the Jordan. We went across the Jordan River into the nation of Jordan. And we actually had some of our lakesiders be baptized there. And most of them, I think, had been baptized already before. But they're like, I want to get baptized in the Jordan where Jesus was baptized. Like, okay, good. And when we got there, we thought we were going to be out in the wilderness all by ourselves, But we were surrounded by hundreds of people. Because Jesus still draws a crowd. When John was baptizing people in the river, one day Jesus showed up. Jesus said, John, I want you to baptize me. And John goes, no, 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 you should baptize me. He goes, no, I want you to do it this way. And Jesus got baptized. And he was surrounded by a crowd. And John the Baptist pointed him out and go, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus has always been surrounded by a crowd and for most people, the first place to get a glimpse of Jesus is in the crowd. Our mission on the weekend gathering times is to draw a crowd together to point people to Jesus. If you leave here on the weekend, you haven't been pointed to Jesus, we failed at our job. Because we want you to see him. John came, his whole purpose of coming was to point people to Jesus in the midst of that crowd. When Jesus began his own ministry, then a little bit later, he began to draw a crowd. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, tells a little bit of that story. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Large crowds. Jesus came and he taught people and he healed people. And news about him spread. You couldn't get the news about him not to spread. And more crowds came. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, later on now in Jesus' journey, uh, it says this, Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, oh, time out. What had happened was his friend John who had announced him, who had proclaimed him, who had baptized him, who had drawn a crowd together for him. John had, <clears throat> excuse me, John had been arrested by crazy King Herod and then executed in jail. When that happened, Jesus withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men plus women and children. The first place most people got a glimpse of Jesus was in the crowd. In this particular crowd, that was enough people to fill up Golden One Center. And people began to see who Jesus was. And he began to change their lives. It's the same today, you guys. It's the same today. People come and we come into the room and people like, you know, people, so many of us like, oh, I'm following Jesus. But then we bring people with us. We go, come on, bring somebody with you because that's going to change them. People come in, they get a glimpse of Jesus in the crowd. They get a taste or a flavor of him. Go, oh, that's not what I expected. We're passionate at Lakeside about all of us engaging people around us, engaging our neighbors. We, we have a word for it. We call it oikos. If you've been hanging out with Lakeside very long, you know the word oikos. It's probably the only Greek word you know. And uh, it's a word that means house. It's, a, it's the ancient Greek word for house or household or network. It refers to the people that show up at your house sometimes. It refers to the people that God has put on the front row of your life. And you may think you put them on the front row of your life. Or you may think they put themselves on the front row of your life. But in fact, God put them there. And people come and go out of that front row often in our lives, but we think God has put about 8 to 15 people in the front row of your life and he wants you to love them and serve them and care for them in the name of Jesus. It's what he wants for you. And you will find as we go along through this year and every year, we will ask you, invite the people of your oikos to church. Why do we do that? Over and over and over. Because every one of those people that are in the front row of your life matter a ton to God. They matter so much to God that he sent his son into this world to die for us all. To rise again to give us life. And they matter so much that Jesus goes, I want you to find a way to engage them with me. With himself. And one of the great ways to do that is invite them to come be with us on a weekend. Because not all of us are gifted at sharing over coffee like this is my story of Jesus and this is what you take, you know, here's the Bible and here's how it works and, and lay it out. We're not all great at that. And if you are fantastic, you talk to him about Jesus. If you go, I, I don't really know what I'm going to do or what I'm going to say. It's like, we'll help. Invite him here. We'll talk about Jesus. And maybe your friends will meet Jesus in the crowd. We don't do that so the church grows big. Do that because your friends matter to Jesus. We do that because the people in your oikos matter to Jesus. Like they matter to you. Because people tend to meet Jesus in the crowd. I have a friend who told me when she first started coming to Lakeside, she cried every weekend when she came into church for like six months. I'm like, I would have stopped coming. 
She goes, no, 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 I was meeting Jesus. I'm like, oh, I get it, okay. Well, I'm sorry we made you cry when you thought about him. But, but her heart was moved. I have another friend who said, I, I never knew it was like this to follow Jesus. I've heard from how many people I don't know that say, when I come on the weekend, it's like Jesus is speaking straight to me. Because people meet Jesus often for the first time in a crowd. See, the crowd space does certain things. It's why we use it. It's why it helps us as a church together. The crowd space does certain things for us. For example, the crowd space offers us anonymity and commonality at the same time. Like you can come in a church and a church this size, you can come in and you can sit in the back or you can sit in the front. You can pretty much be anonymous. And I know pretty predictably we're going to make you stand up and turn around and tell somebody what your New Year's resolution was or what, you know, why you don't do it anymore. You know, what's your favorite toothpaste? You know, something. We're going to tell you something and you're going to have to engage with somebody probably. But you can sit there in your own thoughts and be pretty anonymous and go, I'm, I'm just going to think about this. Don't, I'm not going to talk to anybody a lot about it. I just want to think about it a little bit crowd offers you anonymity with commonality. See, the, the, the anonymity gives people room to decide for themselves, but the commonality when we share this gives people encouragement to join a movement where you go, it's not just me, it's us. We're doing this together. And that changes us. The crowd space offers anonymity and commonality together. It offers detachment and engagement at the same time. Detachment where you're able to step back and get a view of what's going on, but engagement where you go, I'm going to step into that and let Jesus change my life. Because what happens is, as people, as I see people following Jesus around me, hope grows. When I know it's not just me, hope grows. And when I see people following Jesus with me, faith grows. And when faith and hope grow, love for Jesus soon follows after. That's why the crowd space is so important to us. I want to have a couple of friends come up and join me today to talk a little bit more about how this works and some strategies that we have. So Sean Miller and uh, Jameson Hebert are going to come and uh, join me here. While they're coming, let me, let, let's just talk a little bit about how CrowdSpace works and how it feels and that kind of thing. Uh, so Josh Bolin, who is our uh, pastor of worship arts, he knew we were talking about CrowdSpace this weekend. He said, hey, there's this great video. You should show this video. It's about what happens in a crowd. And so it's a, it's a little bit of an older video, but uh, let me show you this this video, and then we'll go on. Seven seconds. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to see that. That was like a playoff game in L.A. 15 or 20 years ago. I don't want to see that. So tell Josh we saw his video. And we cut it off. I want, I want you to see this video. Watch for the crowd. What happens in the crowd? Bielitsa looking, looking, looking. Bogdanovich, three seconds. Bogey for the win! Bogdanovich! <laughs> That's what happens in the crowd, you guys, right there. Now, okay. <laughs> oh, boy, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Yeah, there, there it is. Uh, 
it's a little bit interesting because some people ask me, they go, how come the church doesn't get excited? It's like, well, the resurrection, resurrection didn't happen this morning. I was like, oh, that would be, you know, that would, you know about it. You kind of know about it. So you come in, you know about it. But certain things happen in the crowd. If you watch the first video all the way through, we would share sadness together. <laughs> except for the one or two people who are Lakers fans. You watch the second video, we share happiness together. And we do that all the time as a church family, happiness and pain, happiness and sorrow, joy and pain. We share all those things together in the crowd space, right? So uh, Sean Miller is our pastor slash uh, navigator. Sean leads our, a lot of our staff issues and things, and he's he going to lead us as uh, uh, Alicia told us a little bit ago, he's going to lead us in our leader event in a week or so. So a lot of leadership things that Sean's responsible for. Jameson is our associate director of worship arts, which is the longest title we have on staff here. And uh, so I've asked these two guys if they would just help kind of talk through what does it look like uh, to, to plan for our, our crowd space, for our weekend gatherings. What do we do? Why do we do it? What does it look like? So uh, let's talk first of all, either one of you guys can jump in when you want, but um, tell us the purpose. How do you see the purpose of our weekend gathering? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. Polite guys. Well, you know, I mean, we we get together 52 weeks a year. Uh, Not all of you are here 52 weeks a year, but um, at the the very bottom line of this whole thing of coming together is, is Lakeside is on a mission of transformation. In other words, if lives aren't changing, then what are we doing? And so one of the ways that I see our weekend gatherings is it's, it's a catalyst for transformation. And, and in this room, if you look around, there, there's all sorts of different people in all sorts of different parts of their journey. And some of you are here today, and you need to meet God, and you need, you need peace in your life. Others of you, you need hope. You're, you're at the end of your rope. Some of you do, need, need to just be encouraged. Some of you need to be reoriented. Uh, some of you need like a, a slap up, upside the head, spiritually speaking, you know, <laughs> because we, we don't often change without somebody pushing on us a little bit. And so wherever you're at this morning, our desire is that your life would be changed for the better. We believe that Jesus will do that. And so we want to see these weekend gatherings as opportunities to be a catalyst for that, where you can connect with God and go out into your week going, okay, what does God want from me this week? And I think it's also a space to respond to God wherever we're at, whether you're, you're joining Lakeside for the first time or if you've been a Lakesider for, for 25 years, we want to move closer to God. And, and like you said, maybe some of us do need hope this morning, but some of us are also full of hope. And we've had a great morning so far. And wherever we're at, this is a space and the weekends, we are here to respond to God because God, God can handle everything that we have on this morning, that's, that's how great he is and how good he is. That's why another reason why I think we're here on the weekends. Yeah. So um, when I was growing up in church, the, the expectation for our family was we were going to be in church week, you know, week was after Was that before week the week. Apollo 8? Uh, it was like during. Because I don't remember that. I certainly don't. <laughs> and I'm over 50. Of course you don't. So you I mean, you're over even, 50. You I'm of older than me. I'm 50. Yeah. There's a 50 at the beginning okay. of my number. Uh, when you grew up, was it just... black and white? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Wow. Get back to you. Get back Let's to you. One of our... <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about being provocative in a minute. I only tease people I love. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> you want you carry on from here. <laughs> no, you're not. Okay, fine. Uh, Sean, tell us why. She, so you talked about being here 52 weeks a year. 
And uh, why, why would we expect people to come every week? Why not just come like once a month? Why, you know, why not yeah. come once a quarter? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there's this thing that I think we all know down deep, and it's this whole idea, the, the discipline of consistency. So some of you this year, you say you're not making a New Year's resolution, but you want to eat better. You want to get healthier because you want to feel better. You want to live longer. You want to be able to play with your grandchildren. Or if you're a young parent like Alicia, you want to be able to play with your children. <laughs> you, you want to be able to feel better. And so, But you know that if there's not consistency in your diet and if there's not consistency in your physical health, then you're probably not going to feel better. And I think it's just the same thing with, with church. Uh, you know, when we come to these gatherings in, in our spiritual life, if there's not consistency, then we're not going to leverage that change that we want. We're not going to have that same connection. There's a reason why, as parents, we want to gather our teenagers around the table and say, no, you're going to be home for our weekly family dinner or whatever it might be. Consistency pays dividends. And so we just think that 52 weeks a year, and you might be off somewhere or whatever, you come back and, and you plug right back in. And so we think it's just, it pays dividends. Yeah. Yeah. And, and life, is, life is a journey for everybody. Big, big uh, transformations in our lives don't happen once and then it's over, oftentimes. I think the same thing goes with our, with our church journey. I think God is, God is speaking new life and new messages to different communities. Churches all across the world are participating in God's story that is still going. God didn't, he hasn't just left. Jesus is still doing amazing transformative works for churches around the world. And we think the same thing is happening here at Lakeside. And, and we get to know one another and we get to hear new things every week. And I think there's a special uh, communal aspect to being a part of it every weekend that, that helps push our faith deeper as well. Yeah. We have some strategies, some strategic words that we kind of filter things through to say, you know, what's this going to look like or why would we do this? Uh, one of those strategic anchors, Jameson, is uh, being helpful and relatable. What does that look like when we're planning? So helpful, helpful to me means, I mean, we're, we're bringing useful things to the space, applicable things to the space that, that help us meet with God, not just on the weekend when we gather here at 9 o'clock, 1045, or on Saturdays, but also throughout the week that we can use to connect with God and connect with others in our work community, our family lives, all those type of things. Um, and relatable also means that we're not behind the scenes planning for the weekends, looking at the hip new trends or, you know, what's going to be cool this week. I think it means that we're, we're being vulnerable and we're talking in a language that's understood by a Again, new lakesiders, new guests, people who may not have even stepped foot in a church, as well as the 25-year lakesiders, in that we're, we're carrying these, these things, whether it's new songs or new messages or special moments in the gathering, that they carry us on during the week. Yeah. Another one of our, uh, of our strategic anchors, Sean, you've already practiced it since you've been here, up here today, uh, is being engaging and provocative. Right? Yeah. So... <laughs> All right, I'm turning 60 this year. Dude. How about that, right? Are, are we going to celebrate? Uh, we're gonna, yeah, yeah, we are going to celebrate. Let's clap, let's clap, let's clap. Let's have celebrate. a party. My wife, and I, my wife and I, by the way, we're going to celebrate our centennial this year. Each of us is turning 60, and we're going to be married 40 years, 100 years right there. Let's clap again. Yeah. Wow, right on. So I am old. What are we doing? I don't know yet. Okay. I know what Donna and I are doing. I don't know what we're doing. So you tell us, you tell us what it looks like to be provocative and engaging or engaging and provocative. What does yeah. that look like here? 
Yeah, so uh, over the holidays, we introduced my 20-year-old daughter to that movie, The Did Poet Society. Have you guys, do you guys remember this movie from 1989? Fantastic story. It's well-written, well-acted. And there's this, there's this high school kid who has a father. And all throughout the movie, you start to really dislike the father. I mean, he's over-authoritarian, he's controlling, he's manipulative, he's planning his kid's life, he's not kind, he doesn't understand his son at all, and so you don't like him at all. Well, the, the story ends in tragedy. If you haven't seen it, I won't tell you how it ends in tragedy, but, but the father comes running into this room at the end, and he's just broken, and he's holding his son in his arms, and he's saying, my boy, my boy, my boy. I've seen that movie a ton of times. And I remember seeing it over the holidays going, oh my goodness, that just taught me something. That drew me in. I've seen it over and over and it, it, and it reoriented my mind and I started to think of how much I love my kiddos and what, it, what does it mean to be a parent of an adult because two of my kids are, are young adults. And see, what we want to do in these gatherings is from time to time, we, we really do want to draw you in and help to reorient you, but sometimes that's painful. Jesus was like this. He was painful in conversations with people, sometimes with one-on-one, sometimes with groups of people. And that's what we mean by provocative. And, you know, with engaging, at some point, we could be super helpful, like Jameson was saying. We could speak the language of the culture and be helpful and have all these things laid out. At the end of the day, if we're boring as all get out, then you're going to yawn and go away and, and, and just be like, okay, th- this isn't really helpful because it's so boring. And so we have to have these, uh, these that create this atmosphere where we can all get around and go, oh, and, and we sort of have our minds woke, as the kids say these days. <laughs> woke. <laughs> oh, Jamie's like, oh, Sean's up to speed. <laughs> Is that cool? I think you mean lit. <laughs> Is that what it is? <laughs> I, well, I don't remember Apollo I, 8, but I didn't, I speak know, I didn't say that because I'm I like thought in the in between. I'm old, so I, I don't I'm know. not old and I'm not, yeah, okay. Hey, Jameson. What's up? Yes, sir. <laughs> we, have one, we have another strategic anchor that we use. It's called participatory and interactive. And we do that sometimes here. Describe that. Yeah, I, I think we do it. All, we try to do it all the time here in this space because I think God has uniquely created us all as humans to be expressive. Uh, and by being participatory and interactive on the weekends, uh, we're creating a space in our crowd space, multiple spaces, to be able, like I was saying earlier, to respond in, in new ways and in interactive ways too, which is another reason why sometimes we'll change the seating orientation of the room. We've done uh, services in the round, gatherings in the round. We've done Christmas in the round. And these are all to try and get everybody's hands in, to look each other in the eye, um, because that that communal aspect is very important, like you were talking about. There's anonymity, but we do want it to be a communal aspect. And, and the mission, like here at Lakeside, it's to transform as many people as possible into passionate and productive followers of Jesus. We think when we're participatory and interactive, we're furthering that mission. Also, I will say, too, um, that God has given each of us unique giftings. And I, I have the honor of leading our music team on the weekends. And Brad posed a question earlier this week when we were kind of talking about this conversation. And he said, why, why do we just not expect people to sit and listen? Why do we want them to be participatory and interactive? And I think we would be a different church if 
people like all of you uh, just sat and listened. The music team made up of volunteers. They, they pull off some amazing things. The, the people in the lobby and the hospitality team who brew coffee and welcome you on every given weekend, they're using their gifts to, to be a light and the light of Jesus and the love of Jesus to this community. So I think it's, it's very important to be participatory and interactive. Awesome. You guys, thanks for coming up and helping. Let me invite you into something, and then we're going to sing and participate a little bit. Um, so some of my friends and I, I'm in, I'm in a, couple of diff- a couple of different groups of us get together and run. One, one group on Monday mornings, one group on Saturday mornings. We run. They, they come just to help me try and stay upright, Sean, uh, at my advanced stage. Uh, so while we run, and uh, we decided, a lot of us decided this year we're going to run the California International Marathon come December. And uh, yeah, so that'll be after I turn 60. And, uh, but one of my friends who's decided to do that race spent all day on December 31st this last year, last month, last week. She spent all day on December 31st planning her training schedule for the year to get ready for that race. And it's just a race. Stinking long, but just a race. Have you ever done that with your church involvement? Have you ever sat down on a day and go, I'm going to plan out what I'm doing. I'm going to plan out how do I not miss a weekend. I'm going to plan out so I don't just haphazardly sleep in one day. I'm going to treat this like the discipline of training for my spiritual life so that what happens in the crowd space doesn't get lost on me because I missed it. But I'm here for it and I planned to be here for it and it moves me. I just want to invite you in. There's a little challenge for you. I told, I told you those things come every now and there's a challenge for you. Lay it out. Figure it out. How am I going to be here to be able to be involved in what God's doing among us? All right, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thanks for your great love for us. You're beautiful and your uh, blessings to us and on us are beautiful. And so thank you for all of those. Uh, Lord, the fact that we get to be here as part of your church, that's a beautiful gift you give to us. So thank you for that. I pray for us, Lord, as we look down the road this year and we want to be followers of Christ and we want to be in, in, uh, engaged with you, uh, we want to be engaged with your church, so give us, uh, give us a strategic mind for that. Give us a practical mind for that. Give us the discipline for that to be able to gather together, to be able to launch out to the people in our oikos, to be able to love them and care for them in the name of Christ. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Amen.